everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week, we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Money Made Easy Podcast and also on our website at MoneyMadeEasyPodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it in the easiest way possible. Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? (laughs) Heck no, not even close. We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. Today, we are so lucky, guys. We have on the show someone who we've really been looking forward to, Tiffany Alish, the Budgetista, or I think it is even Tiffany the Budgetista Alish. That's how integral her name is to her. And uh, through her company, the Budgetista, she has created a financial movement that has helped over 800,000 women Yes, 800,000 women worldwide collectively save more than 100 million and pay off over 75 million. I mean, talk about some big numbers. Let's welcome Tiffany to the show right now. Hi, Tiffany. Hi. If you want to give us a little background on how you got started with all of this and, you know, what I guess sparked your interest in becoming um, this amazing financial educator. Sure. Um, well, um, I'm one of five girls. Um, I'm number two. And I think my dad was always really scared that we weren't going to be able to take care of ourselves because there were no brothers around, you know. <laughs> and so <laughs> my father, he is uh, an accountant. Well, he's retired now, but he was an accountant and a CFO for a small nonprofit. And so money was like his life, you know, he, he has two degrees in, in, in money. He's got a, I think his master's, I think is in finance and his, his bachelor's in economics. So we talked about money quite honestly all the time. And so I didn't grow up with that hang up when it came to money, like most people, because it just was normal for us. And so it started there. I know I'm really fortunate. So it started there, you know, we would, we would have our weekly family meetings and the finances would always come up about what we can do better, how collectively as a family we can work to to make our finances uh, stronger, how we could save money on specific bills, like, you know, the light bill, the kids would always keep the lights on. Um, And so that was normal, normal for me. And it really wasn't until I went to college that I realized it wasn't normal for other people. Yeah, because what what happened um, when I went to college is my college roommate was getting bill collectors calling the room, and I didn't even know that bill collectors could call you. Wow! So I I reached out to my dad, and I was like, Dad, you know, my roommate has bill collectors calling, and he would like coach her through me, like, well, tell her to say this, and but it turned out that it was her parents opened up credit cards in her name because they were struggling, and you know. Yeah, they use those credit cards to kind of keep the family afloat, but because they had already messed up their credit. And um, and so it was just like this vicious cycle. And so, um, yeah, it, it, and so I just remember thinking, like, I, I never thought that that was a thing, that mm-hmm. one, 
people kind of struggled with, not with finances because we weren't rich, but kind of struggled with the, the like manipulating and navigating their finances. And two, that parents sometimes wouldn't know and then would potentially pass on um, that to their children, pass on not knowing um, mm-hmm. and how to be responsible with their credit and things for their children. So yeah, it, it all started then. And, and in college, I started to become the go-to for my friends who were struggling with their money. Like, I got a $20 stipend. What should I do? Go ask Stephanie. You know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it grew from there. Um, and then I, after college, I became a school teacher. And then I found that the parents of the students were asking. And then the oh, other wow. fellow teachers. Yeah, and the maintenance man. And then the <laughs> before I knew it, it was like, you know, everyone in my life knew it, go ask Tiffany. And then the recession happened. And for the first time, I kind of had to follow my own advice because up until then, I was like financially perfect. That's what I call it. Like good credit score, savings, retirement account. I didn't make yeah. much as a teacher, but I didn't struggle. Um, yeah. And right. then the recession happened and I lost my job. And I was like, wow, so this is what credit card debt feels like. So this is what not having enough for your mortgage bill. Like, so it was like the first time I was on the other end and it taught me empathy in a different mm-hmm. way because now I could feel it. And so it changed the way I gave advice to folks because I would be very straightforward before, like, just do this, 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 and this. Not understanding that there was an emotional component. And mm-hmm. so the falling on hard times post-recession, losing my condo to foreclosure, losing my job, moving back home at age 29, all of that made me rethink the way I, I shared personal finance and, and I turned it into a business, the Budget Nista. Wow, that is amazing. And not just a small business, you have turned it into <laughs> a huge business. I mean, you have books, you have courses, you have free challenges, you have so much going on. How did that happen? Did it just build and build and build? Or did you have like this grandmaster plan? <laughs> what I was feel like the... I never have a grandmaster plan. I feel like I tumble and bumble my way to whatever's happening. That, <laughs> is, don't good, we all? <laughs> that is good news, <laughs> Tiffany, because, yeah. you know, I am not a... I'm not a great big planner myself, and and I do think that um, that, that you can still make things happen if you're not a big planner. Anytime I hear somebody mm-hmm. say, "Oh gosh, no, I don't plan," you that's music to my ears. <laughs> and it's true because it, it's just it it could be you know I think that I mean I don't know maybe some people kind of plan out their whole life, but <laughs> I think I think that because my intention was to be a preschool teacher right. forever and ever and ever. And if the recession hadn't happened, that's what I would be doing. I would be Mm -hmm. teaching. Um, But then the recession actually made me afraid of what was seemingly safe. Because I thought, if I could lose my job as a teacher, I mean, is there a safer job? You know, it's like, it's like losing your job as a nurse or a firefighter. Like, it needs you. Yeah. And so they can let you go. So, you know, so it made me reevaluate, well, what is it that I really want to do? Because this isn't it. This isn't safe. Like if you thought you're choosing this because it's a nice, safe profession, that's not true. So I might as well go for it because anything, basically anything could get it, you know? And so I might as well go for it. And so in the beginning, it was just one-on-ones. I would sit with people and, and, and do one-on-ones. And I, I stopped doing that because I realized that one, typically people you help do one-on-ones are not quite ready to make the shift. And two, um, people didn't have any money and I felt really bad 
um, asking for payment after a one-on-one. So I, I didn't even ask for payment because we would do your budget and it would be like negative 200. And I'd be at your house and your kids would be playing and I'd be looking at the kids and looking at you and like, uh, there's no money. <laughs> there's no money here. And so I was like, in good conscience, I can't say, and that will be a hundred dollars, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I... <laughs> So I said to myself, there has to be a better way to help people where I'm not a financial burden on them. Because that was really important mm-hmm. to me. That yeah. like, if I'm really going to help, I, I wanted to help. And um, so uh, uh, my mentor of mine said that I should look to get a contract with maybe like a, a nonprofit that was mm-hmm. already seeking to help the community. And so I did. I, I sent out maybe like, because I did a lot of volunteer work in my city. So I sent out like, maybe like it was like 50 email addresses I had from volunteering for a year. Wow. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm that budgeting girl that came. So, because I would, the thing about me is that I'm truly a teacher. Like, mm-hmm. if I wasn't teaching personal finance, I'd be teaching, like, I don't know, how to grow a plant. I mean, I yeah. I can't help <laughs> myself. Like, I <laughs> I teach. And so, I even when, like, I was, <laughs> I was volunteering, like, maybe I'm feeding the homeless somewhere. Or yeah. I was, like, volunteering at, like, the Boys and Girls Club. Without fail, I would someone would find me and figure out that I knew like how to budget, how to save. And I'd be like teaching them in the corner. I'm like, okay. Like even now, if you catch me at Whole Foods, you can almost guarantee that I'm going to be like, and that is how you fix your credit. So like the, <laughs> the girl that's checking me out. <laughs> and so, and so that was happening all the time when I volunteered. So they all remembered me. So when I sent out the email, one woman wrote back from the United way, it was like, Oh yeah, we'd love for you to come in. We have a program where, we have this um, individual development account program where we, where people come in, take these financial education classes, and then we match funds that they save um, and as long as they take these classes, but they're not taking the classes. And you seem fun, so maybe you could teach the classes. And I said, okay. And so I did. And so I said, now that I could do because the classes were free. And so I felt good about being able to say, okay, you're not being charged, but then yeah. the company paid me. So I didn't wow. feel any qualms about taking money from a company. I'm like, this is a great business model for me. Yeah. It's in alignment with how I want to show up in life. And mm-hmm. so in the beginning, it was just maybe a handful of people who qualified for the, the individual development account program. And then um, I was like, well, here's the thing. Even if you don't qualify, this is still a good class. Can It doesn't cost me any extra money. Can we have more people come? Like, can I put it on social saying, here's some free classes? Mm-hmm. And they were like, Sure. So it started up as five people, then 10, then 15, then 50. And it was awesome. Yeah. And I loved it. Like the more, the merrier. So now all these people got these free, these free classes from me, but then the United Way paid me. And so that's kind of started my journey into like, well, what are other ways that I can mimic this way? Mm -hmm. And so I, I started my free online challenge, which was basically the classes, but online, because Mm -hmm. I would post the classes on social and women especially would say, Hey, I don't live in New Jersey, but I'd love to come to a class. How can I? And I thought, well, what if I put it online? And I did. And I thought, well, how do I receive, how do I receive compensation? It took me like a year or two, like, cause I wanted the classes online to be free. So they were, but I just paid out of pocket. Like I remember the first year I paid $10,000 that I did not have to build oh. a platform. Yes. And it was, whew. but then finally I realized, Oh, I can get sponsorships. So I got companies mm-hmm. to sponsor the literature challenges, which are still free. We do a new one every, every January. And so they sponsor the challenge. They're like the United way. And then I give, I, I give it away every new year. We, we typically roll out a new one. Um, oh, wow. So yeah. 
So that's how like it's kind of been. People will ask me for something and I will figure out how to do it in a way that can be of service to others without being too much of a burden to them. That's awesome. And when you say live richer, which is what you call your challenges, I love that. You're not just Mm -hmm. talking about money. Can you share with us more about that? Yeah. So I believe that that money is like a hammer. It is a tool. And it's just one of the tools that you can use toward your, you know, whatever life that you want. Mm -hmm. And so living richer means just identifying the life that you want. Like, how do you want to live? Where do you want to live? What, you know, how do you want to spend your time? Do you want to hang out with your kids? Whatever that looks like. Like, what does a full life look like to you? And then using your money and making it an alignment with that, using it as, as one of the tools available to you to make that life happen. So that's like my tagline. That's what live richer means. So the live richer challenges are meant to do that. Like if you go to livericherchallenge.com, you'll see we've got mm-hmm. the fundamentals edition, savings edition, credit edition, net worth and home buying edition. And we're working on an investment edition. And so oh, those it. are, thank you. They're about a month long. And um, in January, we do them, we do it live and collectively together as a, as a community. And then I automate it. So at any time, you know, you could take one from two years ago and do it with you and your friends. Um, it's an automated online course. And so it, you'll get a daily email with a task and homework. I give you everything you need. All you need to know is how to read, write, add, subtract. That's amazing. I love how accessible you make all of your resources and challenges. Because I mean, that to me is so inspiring that you've created such an impactful business or yeah, impactful business on others and changing their lives, but also not really expecting them to invest a lot. I, I mean, you rarely ever hear about that. You know, it's, it's kind of against all business models. We're like, you know, I, cause for me I, as you know, a photographer, like I love just providing memories for clients, but at the same time, like I understand that times get tough and all of that. So it's, I'm always struggling with that. Like, how can I make this more accessible without, you know, burning out and all of that. So I just think that your whole business model is beautiful and inspiring and I absolutely love it. <laughs> Thank you. Cause I, I feel like I want to be an example that is possible yes. to do good work, to help good people and to make good money because we're a multi seven figure a year business. So I know people think wow. like, oh, it's so cool, my yacht, Tiffany. I'm like, uh, we made a lot of money. <laughs> and by, by, we're, we're, our trajectory for, for, for December, like we're, we're, the growth rate that we're at now, that in December we'll have our first second seven-figure month. Wow. wow. And so, yeah, so I think that, and that's why I want to be an example, that it is possible to, to do right by people, to do good, and still somehow figure out how to make a profit in a way that is, um, that you can maintain your integrity, that you're transparent, and that you're still kind, and that you're making the world better. It's not easy how to figure it out, but it's possible. Yeah. And speaking of the Live Richer Challenge, you also have the Live Richer Academy. And that is, um, while we're filming this, I'm not sure when this will air, it's actually open right now. So how long, what's the, mm-hmm. what is the date that that will be open till in case it's open when people hear this and want to join the Academy? Well, it's rolling in enrollment, so it'll be open. Mm -hmm. So the way the Academy works is that I believe that basic financial education should be free. Mm -hmm. And so that's what my Live Richer challenges are. You get the basics, how to budget, how to save, how to fix your credit, how to get out of debt. And so, because you should have learned that in school, but the school system has failed us in many ways. 
Yeah. So I feel like I'm there to kind of like pick up the slack and say, I got you. What I learned at home for free, you get to learn from me. And then I, as I was growing, I thought to myself, so I mastered the basics and then I started to elevate up. I started to say, okay, I want to work on estate planning and my retirement and investing and, and side hustles and starting a business and all of these like next level things. And as I was doing that, I realized, well, the teacher in me can't learn something and not want to share it, you know? And so I thought, well, I'm elevating. Well, maybe my audience wants to elevate too. And so I reached out and I said, would you, do you want to learn the next level things? But here's the thing, that's not my expertise. Instead, I will have instructors that will teach that. The same people who teach me, who helped me to go from one level to the next, they will help you. And there was a resounding yes. Um, and so I built the Literature Academy, which is an online school where we've got 50 plus instructors, hundreds of classes. Um, and I, me as a teacher, I'm mindful that people learn differently. And so we've got live courses. We've got in-depth courses that last weeks. We've got short classes that are like 45 minutes. So depending on like how you learn, it's mm -hmm. called differentiated learning. You, you get to learn in that way. And um, probably the thing I'm most proud about, about the Literature Academy is that, well, one, we keep the price. I don't even look at competitors. My team is always like, Tiffany, we are underpriced. I'm like, la, 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 I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so um, they finally convinced me to raise the price a little bit because we were like, okay, now we're not going to be able to afford to run business. Um, <laughs> so, so, but still, I know that we are underpriced in comparison to other folks because my, my, I feel like my goal and role is to provide access, especially to those who access has been denied for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, so yes, the academy is more than affordable. Um, and so, but what I really love is that the only reason, honestly, I can even keep the prices that low is that all of the teachers have donated their time, which is like unheard of. Wow. Like if wow. I had to pay, I mean, because some of these folks are like, literally to work with them is thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Some, you know, a few hundred bucks a month if you want to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. Some have their own courses where they're a few hundred bucks a month. We don't cost that. And so, but because they know that my mission is access, that my mission is to, to help and to serve, that, and many of them say, I love what you're doing so much. And I've always wanted to reach that population, but the, you know, like the company I work for, whatever, I, they just couldn't afford me. Mm -hmm. But through you, Tiffany, I'm able to say, okay, I can help the people I've always wanted to help in a way because I, I, don't, I don't put a lot of um, um, requirements on my instructors. Like they come, they teach a class, maybe a class a year, and that's it. So it's not a heavy burden on them. And so what I love what that means too is because I really believe that the energy you bring to service is the energy that people feel. It's almost mm -hmm. as important as what you're teaching, how you teach and why you teach. And so the fact that folks are giving of themselves so other people can do better, is like equally as important as to what we're teaching. So it's just a magical place and, and we're leaning into a new course. And I don't know about the time this is up and running, if it'll, it'll be up, but it's called um, the financial wholeness plan. And I'm probably prouder of that than almost anything else I've done because I have been looking to crack the code on why we struggle financially. Like not just for everybody else, like for myself. And for years I've been asking myself, like, what is it? 
because I, like now I call myself a baby millionaire. And so <laughs> I'm just now crossed over to seven figures. And, but this is within the last seven years because seven years ago I had a, my, my net worth was negative $300,000. So wow. I was really in debt before credit cards, um, student loans and, and, um, and, a, and a mortgage. And um, so I, and now post-recession, I've done much better for myself. And yet I feel like almost as at ease, ill at ease as I did right after the recession. And I couldn't figure out why. Like, Tiffany, you're making more now. You save. You're not broke anymore. Why do you still feel this sense of anxiety with your finances? And when's the last time you didn't feel the same anxiety, sense of anxiety? And it was when I was teaching preschool and I was asking myself, why? Why, why when you were making $39,000 a year, did you feel better than when you're nearly making for myself personally, $39,000 a month? Yeah. You know, so I'm like, so what is it? And I realized is that back when I was teaching preschool, I had a holistic view of my finances that I did not, that I, that I realized I had forgotten about. And, and I realized that there are really 10 steps to financial wholeness and it includes a budget uh, and an, an automated investment plan. Uh, a debt pay down plan, savings, like um, your emergency savings, um, a, um, your credit score, having multiple streams of income, having a, what I call your money team, so financial professionals that you can lean on, properly, properly insuring yourself, maintaining a positive net worth, and leaving a legacy, like so estate planning. And I realized that like as I started to unfold, I'm like, when I was teaching preschool, I was actively working on all 10 components. Mm -hmm. And now as business owner, Tiffany, I was just focused on say, 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 make money, say, say, say. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I realized as I did the math of where I was, that of of these 10 components, I was probably working on like mm, six and a half, seven. So I was only 60% financially whole. That's why I was feeling freaked out. I was, you know, like that I was heavy on, Number four, which is like having expense, your expenses saved, but I was super light, non-existent on number 10, which is leaving a legacy. I had no estate planning whatsoever, no will, no trust, no, you know? And so um, once I uncracked the code on, on financial wholeness, then I started working toward that. I realized like I want to create um, an, a course and a book. And so that's what I'm kind of like working on now because I'm like, what I love about financial wholeness is that preschool teacher Tiffany can do it. Business owner Tiffany can do it. it. Like it doesn't. Financial wholeness is not about how much money you make. It's about holistically looking at your financial life. So it fits everyone. So I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. And you have several books um, that you've put out. Your first book, the One Week Budget. Why don't you tell a little about that, and then also your other book. Yeah, I remember when I wrote the one week budget, I was like, I'm gonna be rich. I yeah, that didn't happen. That I don't know why I don't know why I thought that self publishing a book. I don't know why. But you know what? I'm kinda glad because I don't know if I knew it was gonna be this hard, I would have continued. So um, <laughs> so the one week budget book was honestly my system for how I budgeted. I was always a really, really, really good budgeter. Um and I I I was trying to figure out like like, like what how am I budgeting and why is it so why am I so good at it? And so it took me a while to take what was out of my head and put it on paper. And then I realized that there are some nuances that just fit me. And so what I did was uh, 2009 was my big volunteer. I, I volunteer now, but 2009, I, I, I venture to say I volunteered a few times a week. 
And one of the ways that I did was I would sit down with people, the one-on-one people that couldn't afford to pay anything, and I would work them through the one-week budget to just to take out the components that only work for Tiffany to see what universally worked. And so from there, um, then it helped me to create this book where it walks you through step-by-step how to create and automate your own personalized money management system um, in a way that uh, nearly everyone can relate to and do it. And the preschool teacher in me is really good at breaking things down step-by-step-by-step. Like that is one of my one of my superpowers is that I can take you from a place to no knowledge to a place of knowledge. Because if you can take a three-year-old from a place of no knowledge to knowledge, I mean, like, legitimately, I've had kids where, you know, they've been called their nickname their whole life, like, Jimmy. And I'm like, well, your name is James. They're like, no, Jimmy. And you're like, oh, now I got to teach you your name on top of everything else. (laughs) You know? Or like, this is red like an apple. What's an apple? You're like, oh, boy, we got a long way to go. (laughs) And so, so I learned that skill set of taking a person from no knowledge to knowledge with kindness, with patience, and with fun. And I learned that teaching preschool, and, and I infused it into the one-week budget and the rest of my books. That's awesome. So for our listeners who are struggling to make a budget, uh, what is one step that you can recommend that they can take today to help with that? Automation, automation, automation. <laughs> Auto- right? Sing <laughs> automation it, sister. Is new- <laughs> automation is the new discipline. And so if you don't do anything else, well, I'll probably say two things, right? So one, opening up a separate checking account and calling it your bills account. That's critical. Oh. So I like to have a, so at least two checking accounts. One that I like to call my deposit slash spending account. So that's where your money lands for your, like all your deposits. And, and then that's where you're going to leave your spending money because it's going to be attached to your debit card. And then you're going to open up a separate checking account at that same bank and just put your bill money in there every month and every pay period. Like, so maybe you get paid twice a month. So every pay period, you're going to transfer your bill money there. And then you're not going to get a debit card with that checking account because you don't want to accidentally swipe away your bill money. And then I like to automate my bills to go out. I, I really don't like companies to come in because sometimes they take too much. So, you know, that happens where they overdraft you accidentally. Mm-hmm. So instead, you know, I have, um, I have people, I, I send my money out. So if you just do that, I mean, yes, there, there's, you know, you could definitely get in the weeds when it comes to budgeting and things like that. But if you just do that, separate your, your spending money from your bill money and then automate your bill payments out of your account, that's, that's huge. You can literally do that in the next hour and be 10 mm-hmm. times ahead of where you were before. I love that. Right. We talk a lot about millennials because Angelica is quite a bit younger than me, as you can see. <laughs> um, and so what are five easy steps or a few of your easy steps that 20-somethings can take to save for retirement and why should they already be saving for retirement? So 20-somethings, here's the thing. It is your younger self job to look after your older self. And it's hard to conceptualize, but I like to conceptualize my older self almost like my, my I'm like my own personal grandma. And I even <laughs> name her, right? So this is why she just said, because it's fun. So my personal grandma, her name is Wanda. Wanda is like 75, 80. She's super sassy. <laughs> and it's always looking, right? So like, I literally imagine Wanda looking out the window, judging the neighborhood kids, like they're on my lawn, right? <laughs> Because it makes it fun. And then what I do is when I'm making choices for myself, I ask myself, how is this going to affect Wanda? And Wanda's very judgy. So I'm like, ooh, 
I should take this money out of my retirement account and go on that vacation to Greece. And Wanda's like, oh, really? Okay. So I'm going to eat cat food. Got it. You're like, ah, dang, Wanda. Fine. You know? <laughs> so conceptualizing your, <laughs> conceptualizing your old lady self or your old man self and making when you're making choices and you're not sure, consulting that older person. Because here's the thing. If you are fortunate, you will make it there. And how will, how will that age find you? Will you be healthy, happy, whole? Will you be able to take care of yourself financially? If you're not setting aside for your Wanda, then you leave her completely open to basically the elements because you don't know. Most people don't have pensions anymore. Who knows what's going to happen with Social Security? That it is better to make a plan for that. And then I honestly, I believe in like kind of like setting it and, and semi-forgetting it. You don't have to harp on retirement, just having an automated plan in place where as you make more, you set aside more for retirement, anywhere from 10 to 20%. Because the way retirement works is that it's not that when you retire, you're going to be on a private island, that the money that you set aside for retirement typically is to help you maintain your current lifestyle. Now, if you want to also invest for wealth, that's something different. Investing for wealth is optional. Setting aside and investing for retirement is not. Like you must set aside for retirement. And, and if you don't know anything else, let's just say you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Then I tell people you need three words, target, date, fund. Target, date, fund. What I like about target, date, funds is there's typically they are money, um, are mutual funds. So the difference between a, a stock and a mutual fund is a stock is like you, you own a piece of one company. A mutual fund is multiple like stocks and bonds. And typically it's just, it's multiple financial vehicles in one bucket. So if you think about a stock is a stock is high risk, high reward. I think about it, think about a stock as if you're in an elevator. Well, a stock and a mutual fund, there's two separate elevators and the stock elevator has one elevator cable. If the cable goes up, it goes up quickly. If the cable goes down, it goes down quickly in the stock elevator. In the mutual fund elevator, you have tons of cables. Maybe there's 30. So if one cable breaks, you're still where you are. If one cable goes up rapidly, you go up, but very slowly. If, if one cable goes down rapidly, you go down, but very slowly. So mutual funds tend to use the fact that they're, they're strength in numbers to, to protect you from, from um, sudden loss, but you also don't gain as much. So uh, target date funds are typically uh, mutual funds. And the way they work is that you choose a target date. So you might say, I want to retire. Angelica, uh, do you have a, like a, a target date in mind? Um, I don't, but I guess uh, 60 sounds nice. I mean, I don't know, maybe okay. 65. What's the usual? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 60, 65. But honestly, like it, it depends. So let's just say 60. And so you decide 60 is when I want to retire. You open up this target date fund at like an, like a Vanguard or Fidelity or, or you know, like one of those online brokerage firms. Um, mm -hmm. So you open up a target date fund. You're going to look for something called the expense ratio. That means how much they going to charge me on this target date fund, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you're looking for the lowest expense ratio, like well under 1%. And typically most of them are, but you definitely want to look out for that. And then you're just going to put your money in, almost like you're putting your money in a savings account. Transfer, save, save, save. And you pick 60. And the closer that you get to 60, the target date fund is going to automatically adjust itself annually based upon your age. Yeah, that's what's so great about it, that the closer that you get to your target date, the more conservative your investments will become. Because what we don't want is that when you're 60, you're all stocks. 
because we all know, like I said before, stocks are like one cable and one bad year, all of a sudden you're 60 and you have no more money, yeah. you know, but now you're young. So, so you probably would be more heavily invested in stocks versus bonds, but you don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. because you're going to fill out some profile and they will choose your investments for you based upon your age and your profile. So if you don't do anything else, you pick a target date fund with a low expense ratio, low fees, and you just put your money in there every single month. And then you can kind of set it and semi forget it. And then as you get older, if you want to get a little more complicated with your investments, you can. But the best and easiest and fastest way to start setting aside for retirement where it's a low list. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. So and- what companies do you recommend for to find a target date fund? Honestly, I prefer Vanguard, um, but Charles Schwab is not, eh, it's okay. This is why I prefer Vanguard because I like their mission. I'm really like mission-based when I, where I put mm-hmm. my money. I like their mission that the company is there to support the people that put their money there. Um, John, I think his name was John Vogel. He started, he really started this whole um, uh, uh, mutual fund kind of like uh, trend and, and craze and he, um, oh no, index fund. No, no, mutual fund. And so because of him, he was like, how, why do folks have to go to a broker and pay all this money to invest? There has to be a way that you could do it on your own so that people can do it at a, at a low cost. And so he kind of started that. And as a result, all these other companies do it now because people started taking their money away from wherever their, whatever their broker was. And so I, I like Vanguard because of their mission, but honestly, their, their, um, their expense ratio is also really low. It's like, it's, you know, last time I checked, it was like 0.09%, mm-hmm. which is great, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you work with a financial advisor, which is nothing wrong with working with a financial advisor, although I prefer a financial planner, mm-hmm. because an advisor is basically working just on your finances, and your financial planner is going to be working on um, your, like, your holistic life, like yes. trust, real, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But not everybody can afford a planner because typically when you have a planner, you have to pay a set fee and the advisor gets paid typically based upon what you invest with them, like all a percentage of what you invest with them. So not everyone can afford the fee. So when I first started out, I had a financial advisor because I was like, okay, take, you don't want to say, you should not be paying your financial advisor more than 1% of what they've invested of your assets under investment, like what they've invested for you, like with mm-hmm. your money, no more than 1%. Um, but that's high considering a financial advisor is putting your money in these different places for 1% of what you've invested in them or target date fund adjust automatically. I'm saving my money. Like I may, I am in a savings account and the fee is 0.09%. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Yes. Why not to say, but like I said, a financial planner is great if you're needing these other things, mm-hmm. but if you're just doing core investing, I'm like, mm, you're going to spend more money with a planner to do the same thing that an automated fund can do for you. And they've done the research. Those automated funds perform better than the typical advisor. Which is crazy. That's so great. Mm-hmm. I read that too. And it was like, oh, well, why pay somebody if you can get it for free and it's better? <laughs> exactly. But like I said, like your planner would help you. Like for me, I finally invested in a planner because I wanted an estate plan. Mm-hmm. I wanted like a, I wanted with my business, like, you know, like what happens to me right. to my business when I'm not here, you know? So those things are good. But yes. if that's not, if you're not looking for that, if in my 20s, I wasn't looking for that. Mm-hmm. I just was like, where do I put my money? So then if you're there, like, and even if you're in your forties and you're like, you're not needing all of that, then definitely these online brokerage accounts are the way to go. 
Okay. Also, you talk about avoiding bad debts. Can you explain about how credit cards and auto loans are considered bad debts? Yeah. So credit cards are, I used to say, if you were caught me 10 years ago, I'd be like, credit cards are the worst. Here's <laughs> the thing I realized about credit cards. Credit cards really are a reflection of the person holding them. So they're not the worst. But credit cards will behave irresponsibly if you are irresponsible, and they will behave responsibly if you are. And so um, with credit cards, you can use credit cards to really help to boost your financial life. So the best way to do so is to charge a nominal amount and pay it off in full every single month. Or if you are purchasing something that, because credit cards are there to leverage the fact that you might not have the full amount. And so if you are purchasing something that you don't have the full amount for, then it makes sense because every time you use your credit card, you're taking out a loan. So using your credit card at the drive-thru when you're like eating Wendy's is probably not a good idea. I've done that. Where you're like, ah, I'll just swipe my credit card while I'm getting like fast food. You're like, really? You're taking out a loan for this burger? Because that's what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> and so really saving your credit cards, like, like my husband and I purchased a house recently and we we're renovating. Thank you. And so then it made sense because we're like, okay, we're renovating and there's some things we want to put on our credit card because it's, the amount was more than we maybe wanted to pay out of pocket. That makes sense. So just being mindful, like, does it make sense to take out a loan for this thing? If it doesn't, do not swipe your, swipe your, um, your credit card. And, and any debt that's going to, I mean, unfortunately, we as Americans, like debt is like a way of life, but it doesn't have to be that I, trying your best to ask yourself, is this something I can save for and pay for? So like I, I've never had a car note. I've always paid for my cars in cash and it took time. Like I, I saved for my first car. I saved for a year. It was $5,500. I paid for it. I had that car for like six years. Mm-hmm. So now no car note and, and my insurance was low because I owned the car. Outright. Is there a way like, like one thing I knew for sure is that when I moved into my, my, my house uh, or my condo when I was in my uh, 20s that I wasn't going to finance a bed and a blender and a dining room table because those things are not essential. So I would wait, like I would have my money and, and save, save, save. And then when I had enough, I would go get the dining room table. When I had more, I would go get the blender. So mm-hmm. like we, we overfinance our lives. And then that's why yeah. when your, your paycheck comes, most of it doesn't belong to you. So staying away from financing things that really are not essential. It's one thing, because sometimes you need a car to get to work. I get it. So you might not have the option to purchase a car cash. But honestly, a dining room table, it's not essential. I don't care. Even if you have kids, y'all can eat at the counter until you can save the money Mm -hmm. to to buy the dining room table. Um, So yeah, that's what I say about bad debt is any debt that is not essential for you to get into. And because even with a house, a mortgage could be bad debt too if you purchase the house incorrectly. If you buy a house, where you couldn't sell it for the same or more than you bought it for, then that's bad debt. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm just so like in love with, I could literally ask you questions on questions all day long. I know. It's like, uh, did we tell her 30 to 45 minutes? We should have said it's two hours. I know. I literally have so many notes written down like, oh, ask her this. Oh, ask her this. Um, One thing I also, I just wanted to quickly reflect on. um, It was one of the first things that you said that I thought was really powerful was um, you mentioned that when you lost your um, preschool teaching job that you thought it was a safe job, you know, like you, I feel like that's such a, 
a popular belief. You know, we go to college mm-hmm. and we get, we get a job and we, we just assume that it's going to sustain us forever. And, um, I just, I don't know. I thought that was so powerful that, because for me as a business owner, like I consider my job not safe because I don't really know, you know, I can try and plan as much as I can for in like income coming in. But at the end of the day, it's not like a normal job where you get a consistent paycheck every month or whatever it is. So I just thought, you know, the fact that you said preschool teaching isn't considered a safe job and really any job isn't, you know, and that's why Mm -hmm. it's so important to have your finances in order so that if those things happen, you have a backup plan or savings to kind of sustain you for the next couple months while you find a new job. So I don't know. I just wanted to reflect back on that because I thought it was so powerful. And that was probably the the greatest gift that the recession ever gets because I'm actually risk adverse. I mean, people think I'm like out here like, Ooh, Tiffany the entrepreneur. no, I'm like, because I'm not, I'm not someone, I'm super safe. I'm always like, I always say like, I'm like Chucky from uh, the, the Rugrats. That's not such a good idea. Like, that's me always. <laughs> when my friends are like, we should do this. I'm like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> and so for me, I see entrepreneurship as the safest job because at least I know what's happening mm-hmm. and I have some level of control because I know this, I can bet on me. If I'm willing to do the work then I can make, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay. In my mind, I know, like, say, worst case scenario, everybody hates the budgetista, or I, like my online school closes, I can do one-on-ones. Yeah. I can, you know, I can, even though that's not my favorite, I could definitely go back to that. I can mm-hmm. consult with a company. Like, I, I can always bet on me, but no matter how hard I worked as a teacher, because I was a really good teacher, because I really loved the kids. I would mm-hmm. come early, stay late. We got so many awards. Despite all of that, the school closed. And I realized that like no amount of my effort could shift this place. And so I found that to be really scary and unsafe. And so for someone who's like me, who's very risk adverse, I I would never go for me. I would never go back to a nine to five, seven to three, because I don't have any say. My behavior doesn't have any say ultimately and what happens, but with my business, I have all the say wow. that like, you know, that, so yeah, yeah, but it was good. I'm so glad for that because like I said, that's mm. not my, my natural personality wouldn't lend itself to entrepreneurship had I not lost everything and it shifted mm-hmm. my thinking. Well, and speaking of school, you passed a law that made it mandatory <laughs> for financial education to be integrated into all middle schools in New Jersey. And now we need it to be nationwide. Yeah. <laughs> yes. is, what a, an accomplishment. That is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Honestly, it's, it sounds so crazy. So we, I, so my, my friend, Angela McKnight, this is why I think that giving of yourself and service is so important because you just don't know the ripple effect. She was one of the people that took my class at the United Way. That's how I met her. So she, you know, came and at the time, I don't know where she was working, but at the time she came to try to get her finances in order, we became friends. And Angela is huge on service as well. And so in Jersey City, where she lives, she became known as like the go-to person for like volunteering and, Mm -hmm. and service. So much so someone said you should run for office. And she said, okay. And she did until she became an assembly woman. And right away, she contacted me and said, hey, Tiffany, I'm a new assembly woman in, in Jersey City, New Jersey. And my first order of business is I want to do something for education. And I really think financial education. And I told her, well, there's already a law in place 
for New Jersey for high school, which is awesome. So we already have like a, a mandatory law that they have to learn financial education in high school. But I told her when I taught preschool, I used to teach my three and four year olds about finance, but in a way that was age appropriate. Like we would make savings boxes out of like shoe boxes and we would do a penny drive where any penny they found on the street, I would say, bring it in and we would count it every week and then we would donate the money at the end of the year. So these are things that are age appropriate, you know? And I told her like, financial education to start as early as possible. And she said, okay. So I, we sat down, we wrote this bill together and it was like a civics lesson about writing a bill and what does that take? And, and we had to meet with like the education committee and, and what did they say? And we met with teachers and, and principals and it was great because there was some pushback and I understood because I was a teacher. So I knew that the pushback was, so you're going to add more things to my educational day. And so we switched the language to integration versus like, you have to stop and have financial education time, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then we had to take it to the house and then to the Senate. And after three years of kind of like fighting for it, uh, of this year, uh, January of this year, uh, we got to have a signing day, which doesn't happen with, with, with every law. Mm -hmm. With most laws, it doesn't happen when like the actual governor will come to a place and sign it publicly. And they chose an, a middle school in Jersey City, New Jersey. We all got to come. My mom got to come. Uh, and it was so just awesome. awesome to see like a law being signed, the budget needs to law. Well, really, it's law eight fourteen fourteen, but I call it the budget needs to law. <laughs> <laughs> I Sounds like, the much budget needs to law. <laughs> right? But it's so crazy because... I didn't think anything of it. And so, you know, not that I didn't think anything of it. I knew it was like momentous, but then I went about mm -hmm. business until one of my, um, one of my friends, her daughter's in middle school and I was over her house and she was doing her homework and she was asking her mom a question. And I realized that she was doing homework that was related to financial education. And I thought, Oh, wow. yes, the law is in effect. <laughs> like, it, Cause it's, it's in effect this, this school year, which is September. But I just, I just honestly, it blew me away. That's because I awesome. thought, wow, this is a real life little girl who's living financial <laughs> education as a result of the work we've done. Yes. And wow. that's so critical and so important. Yes. I mean, I mean, it really does need, they should just <laughs> use that same verbiage and put it nationwide. And we'll be yes. Good to go. <laughs> Seriously. Awesome. Well, uh, I, again, can talk to you all day long. This has been <laughs> such an enlightening morning or afternoon. Um, but I guess we'll go into our final two questions that we ask every host or um, guest. Um, the first question being, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is living the life that is in alignment with your, with how you want to show up. I, I, for me, success is I get to be of service to others. I can afford to take care of myself and my family, but not just that. I can also afford to to help out family members and, and people that I care about and, and some folks who I don't even know. I think that, yeah, success is, but a success is also, I love to travel. So really like identifying the life, how you want to live. I think the biggest, the biggest mistake that people do is they ask kids, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think the question should be, how do you want to live? So success for me is identifying the, how do you want to live? and then setting up your life to live that life. I love that. How do you want to live? Mm -hmm. uh, and then also, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? I think of freedom, 
service and stability. Oh, so good. (laughs) So good. Oh, this whole this whole thing. <laughs> Just I know. Fire. I am speechless. Fire. I really am. <laughs> fire, oh, thank fire, you. fire. <laughs> You're amazing. Um, please share with everyone where they can find you, where they can find all your resources, what your Instagram handle is. Share it all because we need everyone to go check you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am the Budget Nista everywhere. It's thebudgetnista.com. I'm the Budget Nista on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. And so, um, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for free resources, you can find them at thebudgetlista.com. Um, if you're looking for the Live Richer Academy, you can find it there too, but there's also livericheracademy.com. And yeah, I just, honestly, I, I'm fortunate because I get to live the life that I kind of dreamed up in my head. Mm-hmm. And I was telling myself the other day, because my, my birthday is actually tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. And I was asking myself, like, you know, what else? is there? I'm like, I have to think of new dreams because I'm not going to lie. I didn't think all this was going to work out. So I'm like, wow. Uh, <laughs> That's a good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> because of all my sisters, I was kind of like the wild one. So my parents are shocked, believe me. And so all, all of you parents out there with, with multiples, if you've got multiple kids, don't give up on the wild four. one. You never know. <laughs> I have four, so that is really good to hear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tiffany. We really you're appreciate welcome. it. You're welcome. Okay, you all know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.